Today's guest on the podcast is Candy O'Terry. I met Candy a couple of months ago when I was a guest on her podcast, The Story Behind Her Success. There are only a few women in Boston whose voices are as recognizable as Candy O's. The 2015 Massachusetts Broadcaster of the Year spent 25 years on Magic 106.7, where she created the exceptional women's show and spent her days connecting with listeners in an authentic, memorable way. The founder of My Dove Productions, Candy is a thoughtful con- content creator whose lens is focused on women doing great things with their lives. As I mentioned, she is the host of the weekly podcast series, The Story Behind Her Success, 16 Life Lessons, an inspiring collection of photos and mantras for women of all ages, and Candy Dish, bite-sized pieces of wisdom. Born in New York City and raised in Connecticut, Candy came to Boston as a one-meter diving champion for Boston College. She's a highly sought-after public speaker, MC, moderator, endorser, and broadcast talent. Candy has never met a microphone she didn't love. She will share her communication skill set in this new podcast series that she's just launched, The Speaker Coach. So, Candy O'Terry, today's guest, we had a great time, a really genuinely great time on the show talking about um, speaking, authenticity, and of course, her 16 life lessons. So, I hope you all enjoy this episode with Boston's very own Candy O'Terry. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I have my super radio voice on today (laughs) because we have a radio legend a Boston oh. radio legend, Candy O'Terry is here. Hi, Candy. Welcome. Hi. How are you, Meredith? It's so good. You know, now the gauntlet has been thrown down and I can't make any mistakes. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> you can make all the mistakes you want and we will still love right. you. We will still <laughs> love you. So, Candy, you have been in radio for over 26, over 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. a long time. That's it's a, a long lifetime. time. <laughs> That is a lifetime. That is a lifetime. What have you learned in 25 years? Like, what is the number one? I know you have this amazing thing called 16 life lessons, and I definitely want to talk about that. If you had one thing that you learned in all those years in radio, what would it be? Oh, that's so easy, Meredith. It's be yourself. That's how you connect. That's how you connect with listeners. You just be yourself. And when you make a mistake live on the radio and 60,000 people just happen to be listening at that very moment, you just laugh at yourself and you just keep on going. Or you say, well, I guess I can't talk today. I mean, and people (laughs) really connect with that. And I learned that really early on. And I'll tell you something else. You know, I started out as the secretary to the program director. I got the job uh, as a single mom and I had no 
real-time radio experience. I'd been a singer and a voiceover person, but I'd never been quote-unquote live on the radio before. So I worked my way up. And the reason why I mentioned that is because listeners knew that I was learning as I went and they were so good to me. They were very patient and very kind. And they sent me letters like, you're sounding great, you're doing good. And so I just really kind of connected to them in that way by just being real. That's that's awesome. That's such great advice because that's also your longevity. I mean, you can't keep up a facade for 25 years if you're not going to be yourself. I mean, at some point, your real self's going to come out, right? Because I'm sure, well, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I was a single mom for most of those 25 years. And I told listeners that I was a single mom. I have so many amazing stories to tell about how people came to my rescue. I'll tell you a quick one. I was on my way to work one morning and I was late for the train and I had to be on the air at 9 a.m. And I'm running down the platform at the Auburndale tea station and I my shoe fell off and I'm like, oh no, I can't stop. I can't miss this train because I can't be late to be on the air at 9 a.m. So I just kept on running and I got on the train with one shoe on and one shoe off. And when I got on the air at 9 a.m., I said, hey, listen, if there's anybody at the Auburndale train station who happens to see a white pump size eight, could you please give me a jingle here at the radio station? And within one hour, I had someone who had found my white shoe and brought it to the radio station. And that's called making a connection with your listeners. But I shared my life stories with them yeah. and they loved it. Yeah. So did you get a Prince Charming with that shoe? <laughs> no, I did not. It took me a while to find my Prince Charming, but I sure had a lot of friends. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I think that's such a great lesson. Just be who you are and people will either love you or they won't. And, but most of all, we're all humans, right? I mean, it's that connection and the similarities that we all have that really makes the biggest impact. I mean, would you say that we're more alike than different you and me? Well, like, or people, like you know, your audience, oh, you're like God. people in radio. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we're just, you know, I just happen to be somebody who earned a living on the radio, yeah. but people earn their living in every sector and, and they just want someone who can connect with them, who can be real, who can share their, share their stories. I have one more, you know, my daughter, Colleen, who is just uh, like flows through me like a river. She was almost killed in a car accident when she was in college. Wow. And I was off the air for about 14 days. She was in the ICU and it was really quite something. And it made the papers and all this other stuff. She fell asleep at the wheel. Oh my God. Uh, during finals week. Anyway, the amount of flowers, cards, phone calls that I got from people just saying, how's Colleen? Because I'd always spoken about my children as a single mom, you know, I'd complain about my son. He's making me crazy. My daughter, oh my God, <laughs> you know, and so again, you know, that's something that people can identify with, you know, the near loss of a child, you know, and I didn't just keep that to myself. I mean, I burst into tears a couple times during her recovery on the air, you know? Yeah. So again, I think it's just a matter of being authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the exceptional, exceptional women's show. What was that? I know that oh, was during your career. Sure. So uh, I think I mentioned earlier that I got my start as the secretary to the program director. This is a really good story for anybody who's got a great idea. So listen carefully. So 
So here I am, I'm the secretary, right? And one of my responsibilities was to attend the air staff meetings, which were usually once a month. And I was taking notes. And my, my boss stood up in front of the whole air staff and he said, hey, listen, we need to create some new programming on this radio station to cover our Federal Communications Commission responsibility. Every radio station is supposed to create content in the public interest because radio stations are licensed by the FCC. So they're really owned by the people of the United States. So I raised my hand. Nobody's raising their hand. Okay, Meredith. And so I raised my hand and I said, well, I'd like to do a show. And I I think I'd like to do a show about women doing great things with their lives. And so my boss was like, okay, good idea. So I went home that night and I created a business plan for a program called Exceptional Women. Well, let me tell you something, Meredith. That program kicked off a month later. I had no idea how to interview people. So I I went to the news director and said, hey, you're really good at that. Can you show me how? She was like, sure. I go, hey, do you want to co-host the show with me? She was like, sure. Her name was Gay Vernon. Together, check this out. We did the show for 23 years. We interviewed 600 women over 23 years. And we won like 36 awards for excellence in women's programming. And it was just me being brave stepping outside my comfort zone and trying something new that came from my heart. And it turned out to be the biggest labor of love and the greatest success of my career. That is so true. It is so true. When you are so brave and authentically yourself, the craziest things happen. I have a story too. Um, I was in New York and I was pitching because my new book came out in December. I was pitching my book to media and just trying to get it out there. This is the year of no nonsense that we talked about. I love that book. I can't wait to talk about that book. Okay, go ahead. This this is your, we're talking about you today. (laughs) Um, I've been living that book ever since I interviewed you. Go ahead. Oh, funny. Funny. Yeah. So anyway, I was pitching, um, you know, media to tell them about the book. And I ended up going to the psychology today um, individual who was there. I don't have a psychology degree. I am not, you know, a psychologist. And the woman that was there seemed like she'd had it, like had enough of everyone tired, was not into it. And I thought, why would I even bother? Why bother? And I thought, I think I can cheer her up at least. I think I can be funny. And so (laughs) I went over to her and she said, yes. And I said, well, I just wanted to tell you that I'm the doctor of nonsense. And she (laughs) looked at me and she's laughed and laughed and laughed. And she thought, she said, that is brilliant. I I think we can do something with that. Do you want to write for us? (laughs) And I was like, yes. What really? And and we had a conversation. Then I ran into her in the bathroom on the way out, and she's like, "The doctor of nonsense." I'm gonna laugh all weekend about that. And so I sent her a pitch. I and within a week, I had a column. I mean, you know what? Yeah. The other thing about that, though, Meredith, is that you were memorable, right? <laughs> right. And that's one. That's one of the other things that I always tell people. You know, as as a, in my career as a communications coach, I tell people be authentic and be memorable. And you did both of those things. Yeah. And be silly, maybe sometimes. And be silly, right? (laughs) And write a book called The the Year of No Nonsense. (laughs) Before a pandemic. Before the the biggest nonsense year ever. That's the irony. (laughs) (laughs) One of the life lessons that you have, you have this, uh, and 
Oh, so when we came to your studio, you gave my daughter a card that said 16 life lessons and she put it up on her wall and I just printed out your life lessons and walked through the kitchen and she said, I have that on my wall. And I said, you sure do. And I said, I'm talking to Miss Candy today. Miss Candy, I'm from the South. And uh, she said, oh, tell her. I said, hello. (laughs) So my 11 year old said to tell you hello. What's her favorite one, Meredith? My favorite one is number four. Obstacles are opportunities because if you so have gross. that mindset, nothing can stop you. So I, that's my favorite. So what is your favorite? You've got 16 of them. Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, the 16 life lessons are words of wisdom. And if your listeners want to have their own free copy, they can go to my website and download it for free. So that's candioterry.com. But these 16 life lessons have come from the words of wisdom from the women I've interviewed. So they're literally verbatims. They're literally me sitting down one day and saying, what do I remember most from these interviews? And this is what I came up with. And so what is my favorite one? I'll tell you. It's number two. Baby steps are better than no steps at all. Mm. I remember going through some really hard times as a single mom. You know, I, I, I had at one point no heat in the house, no way to pay the mortgage, I'm, I'm at a low paying job. I'm just on that first rung of the ladder in my career. I'm broken hearted. My children are angry. It's really hard, right? And I remember thinking to myself, if I can just put one foot in front of the other, I'm going to be further along than I, wa- than I was yesterday. Yeah. Baby steps are better than no steps at all. If you sit in the corner and cry yourself a river and feel sorry for yourself. Well, I'm sorry, but the world is going to keep spinning and people don't care. I mean, your friends care, your family cares, blah, blah, blah. But get up, move, walk, go somewhere, do something. And so that's my favorite one. The one that seems to resonate though the most is number 16. And I want to tell you the story behind it. It's at the end of the day, ask yourself, is this a day I can sign my name to? There's a woman named Marion Carlson Nelson, and she is the former CEO of Vogenly Worldwide. And it's a travel company. And when she was, you know, she's, she's probably in her late 70s now, maybe early 80s. And her, her family owned the business. And she wanted to take it over. And her father wanted to give it to her brother. Mm -hmm. And he made her prove herself over and over and over again. And she has written many books. But she, in one of the books, she said that when I asked her the question, because I interviewed her, and she said, I, I asked her the question about, you know, what matters most to you? And she said, you know, that's a really good question. And I'll tell you what it is. I lay in bed at night. And I ask myself the same question every day. Is this a day I can sign my name to? Have I been inclusive? Have I been fair? Have I been generous? Have I been loving? Have I been kind? And if you can answer yes to that, that's a really good day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love pressure it. too. But I mean, and, yeah. and when you wake up in the morning and you think, okay, I signed my name to yesterday or I didn't sign my <laughs> name to yesterday. And man, what can I, it, it's just the practice of it, right? To, it, it's establishing a practice of reflection. Yes. That's powerful yes. though. 
When I really think about that, when I really think about that in all the areas of my life, there's probably not a lot of them. (laughs) And the idea of signing your name, you know, it's like signing a contract, you know, your signature means something. So is this a day I can sign my name to? And of course, you know, she became hugely successful after she proved to her dad that it was better for her to take over the company than her father. I mean, wow. than her brother. That's, that's great. So I'm working on my anger because I'm, I'm a bit of a fireball. And one of the things is to not raise my voice. And my kids are in, yeah, right. My kids are in charge of the consequence. Anytime I raise my voice, any instance is a dollar that I owe them. And I would rather do anything than give my children money because they have everything they need. And so, every time I raise my voice, I have to pay up. And so to say, can I sign my name to this day? That would be a day I didn't raise my voice at my kids. And they're trying to purposely get under my skin now. I don't know if this was a good idea because they want to get money. If I may, I've got a really funny story about about money, paying your kids things. Uh, Check this out. And I I said it on the air too. So uh, I, I guess it was for Lent, right? And so for Lent, I made a commitment that I was not going to swear. No swear words for Lent, right? And I had to be very honest and I had to pay money every time I swore. Right. Well, I decided I was going to have a charity, St. Jude Children's Hospital. Love, love, love. Well, at the end of Lent, I I, I owed them $440. (laughs) I was like... No, I was broke by the end of the whole thing. But anyway, I what thought was you the mean. increments? What, like how many? Oh my god, it was like ten bucks for a swear oh, word, yeah. a dollar for a swear. I don't, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But that's the last time I ever gave anybody money for you know my behavior. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! So with that, you might end up with the yelling thing. You might owe your kids four hundred and forty dollars. I don't know. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Probably, probably. What do you think about um, one of the life lessons? is trust your intuition. What has 25 years in radio taught you about intuition? I mean, this is an intuition game, right? I mean, you, you've got to think on your feet, know when to talk, when to not talk, when to say something or read a conversation. Yeah. Like, what does intuition mean to you? You know, I'll tell you what it means. It, it little Intuition is that little voice inside your head. And I believe that as women, we're extremely intuitive. Some of us are more tuned into our intuition than others are. My tuition, intuition went into high gear when I became a mother. Mm. Whoa, it was like, whoa, I think this is the right thing to do. There's a voice inside my head that's telling me this, right? Now, bear in mind, I lost my mom when I was a teenager, so she wasn't around to help me when I had my babies. So I was always listening. What's that voice inside my head? Something's telling me this baby doesn't feel well. Something's telling me it's not safe to go there, right? And so in my adulthood, throughout my adulthood, my intuition has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger because I'm tuned into it and I listen to it. I think we all have intuition. It's just that little voice. You got to just tune into it. It's never wrong. You get that uh uh-oh feeling about somebody. You're probably right. Don't you agree? (laughs) I do. I have really great intuition, but I have had terrible listening to my intuition until recently. But I've learned enough. I do things the hard way. And once I learn a lesson, then, um, for example, uh, like five weeks ago, my daughter came to me and she said, can I have more time on my phone? And I have them locked down like an hour and a half a day. 
and they, that's it. And and my gut said, like my gut said, no, not the rules. I just was like, no, it's eight thirty because I was doing a podcast, mm-hmm. and I said, well, she'll shut up <laughs> if I give her more time. So I gave her more time on the phone, and I finished the podcast, and I hear a thump, a crash, and a scream. And I go in her room. She's clutching her arm. And I'm like, what were you doing? What happened? And she said, I was filming a TikTok, which is a dance app. And she broke her arm. (laughs) Broke her arm doing it. And I thought back to that. And I said, my gut said, don't give this child the phone. Listen to your intuition, (laughs) Meredith Atwood. And so now I tell her, she'll come to me with something. She goes, does your intuition say I can have it? Oh, so that's so funny. Yeah. Well, what are, who are your favorite people? I, I mean, I'm sure you've brushed elbows with all oh, the celebrities oh and, and famous people. Like who are some of your favorite celebrities? That's always well, such a good conversation. I have so many stories to tell. So many stories, so little time. Yeah. But let's start out with Mariah Carey, shall we? Let's start yes, with Mariah. Let's. Fun story. <laughs> So this is, this is probably uh, about 10, 15 years ago. And at the time, she was coming to Boston to talk to radio and talk to television. She had had a disastrous movie. Some of us may have seen it, maybe a few, called Glitter. Glitter, yes. Disaster for Mariah. And she also had a new song on the radio, which we were playing at my station, Magic 106.7. And uh, so we were playing the song and I pitched her record label at that time. It was Columbia Records to uh, do an interview with her and they agreed. And so here I am thinking to myself, okay, she's had 15 number one songs. This, if it goes to number one, will be 16. Bear in mind, she's already the most successful female artist of the decade. Hmm. I'm going to go to the store. I go to, I go to, um, uh, Winston's and I get her 16 long stem white roses tubed in a big box with the biggest diva bow you can find. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to be memorable, right? Uh-huh. I knew I was going to be there with all these television stations and radio stations at the Four Seasons. So we all get there and I'm standing there. I've got my producer with me. We've got cameras, we've got microphones and everyone's looking at my box of flowers. So they're all coming over to me going, hey, what's in your box? Can I have some of those? I go, get your hands off my roses, guys. Step back, okay? This is how the pros do it. She was three hours late for her interview. Three hours, okay? hours. Three hours. And I wanted a cocktail at the bar so badly, and I kept thinking, nope, don't do it. Don't do it, Candy, right? So we get upstairs. It's my turn. Her her, uh, bodyguard opens the door. He's as big as a dining room table. The man was <laughs> massive, right? And he had big hands. I remember him, you know, shaking my hand. I walk in and there she is. Hi, Candy, how are you? Oh my God, what do you have for me? Actually, she does have a bit of a New York accent. So let me do it that way. Oh my God, what do you have for me? Oh my God, these roses are so beautiful, right? She really does have a Long Island accent because that's where she was raised. So the next thing you know, She's arranging the roses in this gorgeous vase in the penthouse suite, and she's sharing her life story with me. So I'm looking at my producer, and I'm like, record, record, record. (laughs) She's like putting the roses in the vase, telling me all these stories. And 
here are a few. Number one, when she was three years old, I asked her, Mariah, when did you start singing? She said, well, you know, my mom was a singer with the, with the New York Philharmonic or the New York um, Opera Company. And she said, uh, when, when she was practicing the Rigoletto, I was three years old and I was sitting on the floor playing with my Barbies and she missed a run in the Rigoletto. And I said, no, mama, it goes like this. And she sang the run. Okay. And her mother was like, whoa. What is this? <laughs> right? So from the time she was about three or four, she'd always known that mm. that was what she wanted to do with her life. Fast forward. She grows up in this community on Long Island. She's the only child of color in her school. The only one. Mariah's mother is white. Father is African-American. They got a divorce. The kids used to call her Oreo cookie. Her, her dogs were poisoned. Wow. She came home one day. There was a sign on her garage door that said, nigger, go home. Really rough stuff, right? But in the quiet of her bedroom, she had a purple journal. And in that purple journal, when her mother thought she was doing her homework, she was writing poems. Later on, when she graduated from high school, went to Greenwich Village, lived in a little one-bedroom one studio apartment or something like that with her best friend, she was offered $5,000 for her journal. She said no. Why? Because she knew there was magic in there. And when she got signed to Sony Records, those, song, those, those poems became her first five number one wow. song. No kidding. There's so much wisdom in this story. Number one, creative people, truly creative people have always known what they wanted to do. They've always known they have a gift, a skill, a talent. That's what I've learned along the way in now 28 years of interviewing women, 700 so far. Creative women, they listen to their intuition. They have a voice that tells them, believe in yourself. You have a gift. You have a talent. It might take a while, but it's going to come true. And that's the story of Mariah Carey. That's so cool. Wow. Do you love it? And you got so much out of her because you oh were my God. and you Just bought roses. <laughs> That's so amazing. Do you know that years and years and years passed, and every time she came to Boston for a concert, she would tell her record label, please have Candy the Rose Lady introduce me. I was the Rose Lady of Boston to That's her. That's brilliant. Right? That's brilliant. Well, yeah. one of the things I know when I came to your studio, we talked about just in passing, I said, have you met the new kids on the block? Because like since third grade, I love those guys. And you're like, of course I have. And I'm like, oh my goodness, tell me about them. And oh, oh, yes. They're well, so great. <laughs> they're so great. And, and what I remember more than anything else is how friendly they are. And how Boston they are. Yes. You know, like they love their city. Yes. And I've also met Backstreet Boys. Oh. The Backstreet Boys actually sang a jingle for me uh, <laughs> called Candy O, the Soft Rock Ticket Chick in Burkhart <laughs> Harmony for me. Oh my God. And you know what I learned is that people just want to be treated like they're your friends. Yeah. Right. And they want they to make you happy and have fun. Yes. Yeah. And they don't want you to talk like they're a superstar and, and, and give them, they don't want the kid glove treatment. They want you to be just 
a person talking to them. That's what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Luttrell, right? That's the lead singer of Jack Street. Yeah. He, so um, adorable. He's so adorable. And I, so I'm from Atlanta. We just moved up here a year ago and he's good friends with Burt Weiss, who's head of the Burt show, which is the big Atlanta radio station. Uh And he was on there um, several times. And that's what I got out of that interview was he's just like a dude. (laughs) And yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. And the same with Joey McIntyre, the same with Jordan Knight. I mean, they're just really good people. And I thought it was brilliant to bring Backstreet Boys and New Kids together for a concert series. I was there. I was there. (laughs) I was there. And I have a story even better than that. I went on the New Kids on the Block cruise in 2011. (laughs) So you really are like a fan. I'm a real fan. And um, I took my husband with me in 2011. He's like, I do not want to go on a new kids on the block cruise. I was like, you just, you just hang out and I'll hang out. It'll be fine. And we had so much fun. And that's back when I drank, (laughs) I don't drink anymore, but I ended up, we were in the casino on the cruise and my husband's like, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, I'm having a ball, go to bed. And so I'm sitting there playing blackjack and this is kind of a not so great story, but it's funny. Um, I'm playing blackjack and I look over and who is standing next to me, but Joey McIntyre. And he's like, can I, can I join you? And I'm like, oh, of course you can, you know, and that's the last thing <laughs> I, I remember. I'll you my cards. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. And that's the last thing I remember. And my husband says in the middle of the night, I came in threw the door open, threw money into the air and said, I won $400. And he said, then I passed out. <laughs> And that's my new kids on the blog story that, and then I was in the gym with Danny because he's a, you know, he's the workout guy, Um, Uh but oh my gosh, I just love them. And I really don't fangirl over them anymore. I just think they're such great people. And the fact that we're all grown adults and get on a cruise ship or go to a concert and squeal, I think it's just incredible. It's just the greatest group of people like the new kids on the block fans. (laughs) I agree. I totally agree. So funny. So I know you do speaker training, like teach people how to speak. What is, tell me about that because I might sign up for it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I didn't realize that as a broadcaster, I had perfected a skill set that yeah. many people need, particularly uh, people who have a story to tell. And as a master interviewer, I feel like I have the ability to observe body language listen to the tone of someone's voice, be able to tell whether they're feeling confident or a little nervous, or if they need a little help from me as I'm interviewing them. So I took all of those skills and I put them together and I joined a colleague of mine uh, named Liz Bruner. And I work for her company called Bruner Communications. And what we do is we work with a lot of blue chip companies and with particularly my specialty is women. I really get women. And so I work with them on their ability to tell a story. Isn't everything about your ability to tell a story? There's a story behind numbers, you know, no matter what, you know, field you're in. There's a story about the success of your company. There's a story about the success of your numbers. But so many people just don't know how to tell a story. They also don't know how to use their voice like a tool. And keep in mind, You have your body language when you walk in the room, you've got your eye contact, you've got the way you walk, the way you sit, the way you stand, the way you move your hands, you're gesturing, you're smiling, you're pausing, all those things. That is 65% of a person's impression of you. The other 35% is your voice. 
and your voice can change. If you don't like the tone of your voice, give me 10 minutes and I can change it. Let's do <laughs> so it. I, I Let's do the off. experiment. Come on. All right. Well, here's the experiment. Most More than anything else, there are two things that affect the tone of your voice. Number one, it's the way you breathe. Many people breathe from their shoulders. And when you breathe from your shoulders, your air, you do not get enough air in your lungs. The more air you have in your lungs, the more command your voice has. It's like putting enough gas in the tank of your car. If you're, if you're running on empty, you don't have enough oomph to your voice. Your voice requires command. You mm. want to command a room, give yourself enough air. So breathe from your belly not from your chest, from, right. from up here in your shoulders and in your chest. So nice big breath. You should be able to say the Pledge of Allegiance on one breath. That's my, that's my little quiz for people. So try that. Your chin should be up. Your shoulders should be back. Give your chest enough real estate to get a nice big breath of air. Right. Secondly, never forget the power of a smile. When we smile, our entire tone changes. Yeah, and, and if you don't open your mouth enough, you know how some people mumble and you just can't really <laughs> tell what it is they're talking about? Open your mouth so you can pronounce those words nicely. And whenever it's appropriate, smile. Because when we smile, it changes our facial expression and it changes the tone of our voice. I'll give you an example. I like you. I like you. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different, right? Different, so those yeah. are my few three quick tips. So I have a new podcast series, which is called The Store. I'm sorry. We've got The Story Behind Her Success, and we've also got The Speaker Coach. And that The Speaker Coach, every every week or so, I give you more tips from a, from a professional speaker coach. Oh, that's for great. For is that out now? You have it started? There it is. This week's episode debuts tomorrow. It's all about confidence. <sighs> That's, is that why people are most scared of, you know, public speaking is the number one fear in the death, world. Death is the number one fear. Death is well, the number one fear. The most reported, <laughs> right? The most people are like, if they had death, one fear. Worse, public speaking. Public yeah. speaking. Yeah. It and when totally you, is. Yes. When you think about it in terms of actual fear and importance, it seems ridiculous. It seems you know, ridiculous. It does, but fear is fear. Yeah. And fear, fear is the number one killer of confidence, period. Mm -hmm. And we mostly, we fear failure. We fear rejection, a lack of acceptance and understanding of who we are. And the only way we learn as adults is when we step outside our comfort zone and try something new. And every time we try something new, our confidence increases because we have mirror neurons in our brains that feel good and copy that behavior over and over again. And I've learned something else in my research that if you admire someone, copy them, just copy them because your brain will create a mirror neuron for that behavior. And before you know it, it will become your version of that behavior. Right. That right. There's that new that's brain science. That's real. Forget, there's some, and I'm looking around cause I thought I had the book up here. There's a book steal like an artist, which mirrors that idea that if you, yes. you like it, you have a person, an artist, an art form that you like copy it, but it's not going to be a complete copy because we're all different. So you're going to give your own spin to it. Right. Right. Isn't and, that fascinating? Yeah. 
Yeah, very cool. Um, what is your biggest tip for someone who wants to get over their fear of public speaking? I found that I got better and got less. Well, whether I got better or not, I guess <laughs> is subjective. But I got less nervous when I did it more and more often. You know, 215 podcast episodes later, all the public speaking I've done, I'm no longer nervous. But it took a long time before I stopped being nervous. It took a lot of repetition and a lot of days in court in my former life as a well, lawyer. Well, that's just it. I mean, as, a, as, a, as an attorney, you know, you came, you came to podcasting with a skill set. And so my number one tip for people who, who have a story to tell, uh, or maybe they just, they're going to be called upon at work to stand up and present. Yeah. My number one tip for people is small wins. Small wins is what you use, you know, and you know this as an athlete. Instead of running a, running a marathon every day when you're training for a marathon, you run intervals, right? So if you want to be a presenter, you want to be a public speaker, start out in small intervals. Don't, do, don't try to write an entire eight-minute speech and think that you're going to perform it. Give your, write, a, write an elevator pitch, write a 30-second elevator pitch, and put yourself in a position where you have to use it sometimes and practice that. You know, do, do that toast at the wedding. Do that little introduction at the presentation. Ask if you can introduce someone, not give the full presentation. Oh, These sense. are small wins. These are baby steps that lead to the bigger steps. Just yeah. don't jump off the cliff entirely. <laughs> Well, and one of the things too, it's a long way down, people. <laughs> one of the things too, this goes back to intuition because if you take like um, speaking courses and and learn how to speak and how to make presentations, that may be beneficial, but it may go against your intuition. And here's what I mean: people like. PowerPoint presentations. People like yeah. to see things. If I am tied to a PowerPoint presentation, I do not give a good talk. My secret sauce is being able to read a room. So I will start off perhaps the same way, but I never go the same way anytime I speak to a room. And when I when someone requires a PowerPoint of me to come speak, I'm like, can I please not? And, and if they do, I'll have like six slides and it'll just be pictures <laughs> because I can't be tied to it. it. It literally messes me up. And so if you're trying to be a public speaker or just trying to do a presentation and you're, you feel tied to doing it one way and that feels really nerve wracking, try something else because maybe you, you know, need a PowerPoint or maybe that's what's making you nuts. I love what you just said, because there's so many parts to it. Number one, you said my secret sauce is I know how to read a room. Guess what? That's a talent. That's a gift. So for you as a public speaker, as an author, that's your secret sauce. So that's your brand. That's who you are. So if someone wants to hire you, they're hiring you. Right. So you don't want to, you don't want to never be a pretzel. I always tell that to people. <laughs> don't turn yourself into a pretzel. Be who you are because that's when you're going to be on your game. It's when we try to be someone we're not that we just don't deliver the goods. So yeah. good for you. 
No PowerPoints for you. <laughs> no PowerPoints. And if I get big enough, I can be like, I do not do PowerPoints. Excuse <laughs> me, my then. name is Meredith Atwood and I do not do PowerPoints. Do not do PowerPoints <laughs> or whatever version. Like, no, I mean, maybe ugh, I just can't. I just can't because the worst thing ever, and this is back to the secret sauce, I guess. The worst thing ever is being tied to a PowerPoint, looking at your audience and know, knowing that your next slide is not where you need to go. Because you're looking at them and you struck a nerve and you know, you could take that point, you know, you could be done with the whole talk with that one point because they're in it and to know that you got to go to that next slide because someone back there is clicking it. Oh Oh my God. I'm I'm so with you on this. You are not Miss PowerPoint. No Sariba. (laughs) Don't do it, Meredith. No, no PowerPoint. Well, let's talk about nonsense since you brought it up. How did you uh, get start to get rid of some nonsense after we talked? Well, it's interesting. I literally have laid in bed and thought to myself, what is the nonsense, or as you called it, the dead wood, the wood, and that can be people, that can be things, that can be projects, that, you know, in some ways, I recognized that I was just holding on to them because they'd been there for so long, but they no longer served me. Mm, And so I really took your book as a wake-up call, and it made me think about what do I not need? And in letting that go, as recently as right now, I'm in the process of cleaning my office. And I'm going to tell you why that's so important in one second. But I'm recognizing that when I let certain things go that have been clogging up my brain, the result is my creativity goes on fire because now I'm giving it permission to come out instead of being stuck to this to-do list of stuff I don't want to do anymore, right? Right. Now, back to my office. When I left the station of my own accord, they wanted me to stay. They offered me a deal. I said, I don't want to get up at 3.30 in the morning anymore. Thanks anyway, people. I have some new ideas that I want to do. I couldn't let go of some things, so I brought them home with me, and I put them in drawers, and I had them all around me because they comforted me. And when I kicked off this podcast series two years ago, now I'm up to 120 episodes. I'm, ca- I'm going to catch up to you, my dear. <laughs> But now this is my life. And some of that stuff I'm proud of, but I got to let it go. And guess what? I packed it all up. Aren't you so proud of me? Wow. Yeah. It took me five years, but I did it. But again, it had to do with the year of no nonsense. So thank you for that. Well, all the trash and junk companies around the world will thank me one day. getting rid of all the nonsense. You know what? It's part of who I am and it lives right here, but I don't have to have it in a drawer anymore. Yes. And that is, you know, you mentioned something um, about when you get rid of, of, of junk, of things, of nonsense in your way, you make room for the creativity. And that is so true because the nonsense and the lies and the, the inauthenticity that's in our head that is an absolute block. So when people say, oh, I have a writing block or I'm, I'm stuck, you're not stuck. You just got to get some of that crap out of there. <laughs> I agree. And my number one pet peeve of life is spinning my tires. That is my number one pet peeve. Yes. I hate spinning my tires. Oh, it's such a waste of time. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. My pet peeve is going backwards. I hate when I go backwards. Oh, yes. I hate going backwards. Well, let's talk about one more. Like, I kind of want to end on this one. Um, one of your life lessons. And where did it go? Hold on. Um, how did I lose it? 
life lessons? Yes. I mean, I have it right here, but I had one I wanted to, oh my gosh, my Tell brain me just fell me. Uh, oh, it was about good grief. Well, I'd I'm love just going to have to read all of them because now I was about right. to say, yeah, let's read them all. Yeah, let's, let's read all of them. Number one, wake up grateful. Number two, baby steps aren't better than no steps at all. Number three, it's not what happens to you in life. It's how you handle it. Do you want to take over your list? <laughs> Since I took over it. Number four, number four is Meredith's favorite. Obstacles yes. are opportunities. Number five, trust your intuition. Number six, courage is when you leap. Faith is when you know you will land on your feet. Number seven, adjust your compass, but don't quit. I found it. Number eight. <laughs> number eight. There's great joy in, um, hold on. There, it's my own thing and I can't read it. Great joy there, in striving towards your potential. There it is. Thank you so much. And uh, don't just show up, stand out. That's one of my favorites. Number nine. Number 10, success is a conscious decision. See it, feel it, believe you can achieve it. Number 11, lead with purpose and compassion. Number 12, stay humble. Number 13, good goes around. Never forget that, people. And number 14, relationships are everything. Number 15, wisdom is recognizing a mistake before you make it again. Mm -hmm. And number 16, at the end of the day, ask yourself, is this a day I can sign my name to? So the one I wanted to end on, it took me reading the whole list to, to go back to it. But number 13, good goes around even if it takes a while. Have mercy. Taking the high road, doing the right thing does sometimes take a while, but it is always the right choice. So what has been your experience with this? I mean, I am sure in 25 years of radio, you have seen it all and you have experienced some really rough stuff. But what is the truth? How deep does that truth go? I'll tell you what. Um, karma is a, mm, okay, <laughs> you know what I want to say there. I'm a true believer. And I, I remember teaching my daughter this, you know what, you need to be good when nobody's looking. Okay, be good when nobody's watching. Just be your best self. Life is too short. Good goes around. And it just sometimes it takes time. It's everything that matters takes time. Don't you agree? Everything that matters takes time. And that's just me talking to you from where I stand as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a Gigi. <laughs> Good goes around. Yes, it does. And I love Robert Greene's book, Mastery, because I think there's so much in us that feels like we should be where we're, we want to end up already or it's not happening fast enough. But his book, the premise is basically you have to have 10,000 hours of anything to be a master at it. Yes. And if you really think in your life what you've done 10,000 hours of, it's probably watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> like there are very few things that we are masters of, but the yeah. whole idea that we can try and become masters of certain areas and to do that, it takes time. It takes 10,000 hours, you know, generally speaking to do that and, and to focus on, on the time that it takes to develop a skill, but also the time it may take to forgive and to get over stuff and to move on. It's, it's patience and, and yuck. And time, time is a resource and time is a treasure. And wasted time is a crime. Yes. That's what I think. 
<laughs> Wasted time is a crime. It Ooh, is. That's a new one. That's a new one, number 17. <laughs> so this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, meaning that we have we all have the same 24 hours in our day. We all have that same time, but it's what we do in those 24 hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. So as a parting question, what is something that you do on a daily basis that you think leads to your best life? Every morning before I get out of bed, before I put my feet down on the floor, I say one line, bless my day and everything I do and say, and it shapes the rest of my 24 hours. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Candy. You really are, Jim. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and, and everything that you're putting out there. And so everyone check out The Speaker Coach. That is the new podcast series and the one um, that I was on a few months ago, the story behind her success is the other podcast. So you ha- wait, you have something new brewing. Can you talk about that before we well, go? Sure. Uh, for all the moms out there who have children, young children between the ages of you know, two and a half, all the way up to kindergarten age. In my other life, I was a preschool teacher. So I have a YouTube series, which is called Candy's Land, songs, creative movement, and positive messages for children during the pandemic. Oh, nice. So if you're trying to homeschool your babies and you need 20 minutes to go take a shower and get a cup of coffee, I'm your girl. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Brilliant. I'll keep them company for 20 minutes. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Well, you can follow Candy at candyoterry.com and all of her links are up there, including the 16 life lessons. So thank you, Candy. This was wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Meredith. And thank you for getting me unstuck with the year of no nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.